man, it was a revelation for me to watch the, the big short. And I shared with you that to me, it's COVID. Uh, lo and behold, our friend Zach Abraham was in the business in that time period. I want to talk with him about that. And what, what are the things that should be shorted now investment wise? But I also want to run by him this lesson I took away from this that for me, it's really helpful. And for other people, it's absolutely horrifying. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Couldn't be doing this program without, well, we're going to talk to Zach Abraham. He, not at this level, we couldn't be doing it, but also without my dear friend, my brother, Dave, the digital, uh, Dave Parkhurst at Greenhaven. Interactive.com, super simple value proposition. Go to Google, search for your business or your organization. Are you in the top five search results? If not, here's your choices. Give Google money or pay Dave the Digital, a conservative Christian in a world dominated by atheist liberals. It's greenhaveninteractive.com. Zach Abraham, my brother, joins me. So good to have you back, Zach. Hey, thanks for having me, man. And I heard that intro and I sat there and I thought, we don't pay anything to Google, but uh, we could use some of that. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna give him a ring. Okay, yeah, GreenhavenInteractive.com. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that's the Google. Um, they they play games with that algorithm all the time. Um, and I know there's probably a bunch of people buying your name, a bunch of companies, you know, trying to capture your success and ride on it and steal your name. So uh, he'll yeah he'll help you with that. Um, a, that's a nasty movie. Big short. There's some nasty stuff in there. And uh, my friend, the listener to the program, Dan uh, from South Carolina, wrote me a note and said, you know, he loves the show, listens to us since Rush, God Rest, Rush. And he was really excited to watch the big short because he wanted to see how it compared to COVID. Because Todd, I looked it up online. It has 76 F words in it. That's like one per second. He uh, goes, how do you deal with that? And I, I mean, I dealt with it because I've worked in those businesses, not finance like you. But I've actually been in the offices of Goldman Sachs. Um, I've actually been upstairs in Goldman Sachs back when we were in the big data business. We got, we got taken into the inner sanctum of evil. And that's how they talk. And that's how people in politics yeah. talk. Yeah, I, and that's when I said, uh, when I brought it up, just, you know, I don't, it doesn't escape me, right? Like, uh, I notice it too, but um, you said it perfectly. If, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't painted that way, it wouldn't be realistic. Um, I don't think that anybody, really funny, I, I don't know if I've told you the story, I think I did, how my dream was to go to Wharton and then go to work on wall street. And my, the Dean of my uh, uh, business school at PLU was a Wharton grad. He was a PhD and Wharton has a special program where if, if they have people that are high up in business schools or whatever that, that, that are, are MBAs or PhDs, they can appoint students to it. Right. So it's almost like getting appointed through uh, like the air force or the Navy or the army. And uh, it's an automatic in. And uh, the dean of my school called me in, and I've been working toward this. I had a 396 or whatever in my major. 
And um, he said to me that he wanted to put me up as the guy that went to Wharton. And um, I left that day on cloud nine, went home that night, spoke to my wife just before we had kids. We'd been married, I think, like eight months or something like that at that point. And um, we turned it down. And I still don't know why. Uh, well, looking back on it, I know why. Um, God's plans for me were not about making money, right? And you look at the divorce rate on Wall Street. The divorce rate on Wall Street, I believe, is over 85%. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it is a, as bad as you think it is, it's worse. And, um, you know, that's why I feel so blessed to be able to do what I do and not have to be in that den of iniquity, right? Um, but like you said, I, if you painted it any differently, it wouldn't be real. And if you want to know how bereft of morality it is, I, I just, that movie does a beautiful job of painting the picture of the, of the system, the way it works. The book is better. Uh, it always is. Um, but that was, that was exactly how it went down. And so rarely, you know, when you live through something, um, and you go back and watch somebody else's account of that thing, very rarely do you sit there and go, that's exactly how it was. They, they just, they captured it perfectly. If you want to know what it was like running money, if you were somebody that thought there was a problem, and I will just tell you the other thing that that book or that movie does beautifully well is that if you, in 2007, if you thought there was a problem in real estate, you got laughed out of the room. And I, 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 I did too. I got laughed at. Um, and you know, we, the rest is history, right? But it's a pretty realistic picture. Okay. So here's the thing that I've been really thinking about Zach, um, is we are told biblically that the devil runs this planet, right? I mean, he said to the Lord Jesus, I'll I'll give this all to you. And, and the Lord Jesus, of course, um, Satan thought he could play scripture games with, with, with the word itself. And the Lord Jesus, of course, didn't fall for any of that, but he, he stated with authority. Everything you see, I'll give to you. And it is becoming more and more clear to me that there are people so lost in the lie that they have lost the ability to see the truth. Now that can come back. And, but part of that is walking in the light and we're told that the, you know, um, God is a light in him. There is no darkness at all. And that would mean that in the darkness, that's, you know, where Satan plays. So I'm watching the big short and I could not help, but just get itchy and agitated because I'm looking at that and I saw COVID and I saw me talking to people in media, colleagues saying, wait a minute, what does a case mean? Well, no, you're in the weeds. You're in the weeds. The big picture, Todd. Okay, let's look at the big picture. Any way you look right. at this. And, and then I remembered during that time, I was at Microsoft and everybody was flipping houses. Everybody. And the DIY shows, I didn't know anybody who wasn't in the game of flipping houses. Mm-hmm. And so my wife wanted to get into flipping houses. We, you know, could, hey, could we take some money and start flipping houses? And it's very seductive. And I started to oh, think yeah. about something. Wait a minute. When everybody's doing something, when the, the guy who ha- is, he works part-time at the grocery store, 
is flipping houses. Wait a minute. This is a sucker's bet. Everybody's in. This has got to be a huge bubble. And then I remember across the street from us um, in outside of Seattle, there was this vacant lot that when we first moved there, I thought, I want to buy that. And I should have bought it then. I didn't. Zach, this was in a neighborhood where we paid 315000 for a house. Ultimately, God blessed us with a sale of, of, you know, over 800. But again, bubble. They built across the street from us a $1.9 million house and a $2.2 million house. I remember going, dear God in heaven, these things aren't going to sell. Those things sat, they went through like seven different owners and then sat vacant for a year. So here's the thing is you've said before that complication and purposeful complication is the tool of scoundrels. I agree with that. Do, does, is it lack of common sense? Is it seduction? Is it the enemy, uh, Satan working on people's perceptions? How is it that people like you, because apparently you saw the housing thing, you saw the COVID thing, you saw it as clearly as I did. What is it that keeps people in those businesses sucked in to believing their own, you know, their own press, like smoking their own vapor? Hmm. Uh, it's funny. My wife and I have spent probably an inordinate amount of time talking about that. And I think that that's something else that the big short does uh, well. Um, which illustrates, and, and listen, Todd, you've known me long enough. When I say this, um, I've done entire radio shows talking about the things I've gotten wrong. So at no point do I want anybody to read this thinking that I believe in my, you know, ultimate intelligence or wisdom being above. Like if you do this job long enough, you, you're going to get things wrong. And, and you know, uh, something we talk about at our firm all the time is, um, Guys, I'm not worried about you getting it right. What I'm worried about is you figuring out as fast as possible you get it wrong. So that being said, um, I think part of it is makeup, meaning it's a personality. Like um, I've always been one of those people that I'm not a cynic. It's not negative, but I just, I, you know, things that were too good to be true never were attracted to me. You just, I, I think you, you seem like that kind of person too. You're, where you're looking behind the corner going, wait a second, where, where's the next stanza, right? Well, what's the next act? This isn't adding up. Um, and I think that there's an old saying in investing that the most painful thing in the world in investing is not losing money. It's watching your neighbor get rich, right? And, and, that's, and that's true. And when they watch it happen, when somebody watches somebody cash checks, that makes it real. And, and, and the act of r racking up that profit or cashing that check, I think it removes all questioning or all doubting. And, and, then, and then if they jump in it and it does that for them, if it works, right? We say all the time, the worst thing that can ever happen to a trader or an investor is make a bad trade and have it pay off. Because that guy now has to unlearn that, right? And that's why these bubbles are so pernicious because just like what I believe we've seen in tech in the last 10 years and specifically the last three is that you should see some of the stuff I hear these new traders saying and, 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 and preaching on Twitter. Um, it's what they've seen work, right? It's their life experience and it, that you're not going to talk them out of it. And unfortunately as human beings, what's going to talk them out of it? Going broke. Um, and why do people believe this stuff? I, I think it's the human desire. 
I actually think it's the same with God. We're looking for shortcuts, right? We think that we know the end game the best. And one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older and that is echoed by the Bible and God and then was beat into me by my college football coach was the people that are all looking at the end game, the destination, they're wrong. It's the journey. That's where we learn. That's where we grow. That's where we become the people that we were designed to be. And everybody wants to short circuit and shortcut the journey. And um, I just think that that is just part of us as human beings. You know, um, it's, we just, we want an easier way. God, give us a king, right? Make it easier on us, right? And those shortcuts never pay off. They, and it sounds trite and, and, you know, overused or whatever, but it's just that human condition. And in investing, you have to sit there and go, you know, when you see, when you see, and that was the thing, I remember the thing that turned me on housing was I had a buddy of mine that was a, 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 a sharp guy, responsible guy. Um, I want to say he, he was making about $65,000 a year building houses, right? Um, and he was able to buy his third house. With, you know, each house was over three fifty, four hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yep. You look at that and you go, "This is insanity, right? This is clearly a bubble. This is insane. No rational lender would lend that money to him." And that's when I sat there and I went, "This thing's going down." Um, and then we started digging into it deeper. I didn't understand how it had metastasized into the banks at that point in my career. I just knew. I just thought it was going to rock the markets. I didn't think that Lehman Brothers was going under. I mean, again, I was still a puppy at that point. Um, but you were short, but, you were betting against the housing market. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had a good year. We were up about 22% um, from the top at, at the end of 07 to the bottom in 09. Um, and so I, what killed me is the reason I, the reason we made it is I had modest short positions and I was long treasuries. So treasuries are like a short position when, when a storm's coming in, into town. Right. Um, and I spent time, I called several guys that I knew at the time I was working at Russell Investments and went, went to several guys, their portfolio managers, and asked them how to short real estate because I didn't know how to do it. Well, looking back on it now, if I saw that issue, I would just short the banks, right? And I, instead of making 20%, I probably would have made 80 that year. But, um, but still, yeah, and, it was, and, and you and I were texting back and forth about this. That was, oh, man, I'm trying to think. That, that was right up there with one of the most frustrating periods of my career because People don't remember this. And as a matter of fact, you and I talked about it. The summer of 08, because Lehman collapsed on September 15th, right? The summer of 08 was very similar to the summer we just had, right? You had a rally. Everybody's like, oh, Bear Stearns collapsed in July, okay? And, every, and, and I'm sitting there watching that happen, and I'm like, oh, we're right. We've got this. We're right on. And then the markets start rallying. And you're sitting there going, what, what, what's going on right now? And it just, it literally made you question your own sanity. Like you're sitting there going, this is so nuts to me. Rates were going up. There, there are things that are different. And one of the things I want to tell people, don't go out there and try to short housing right now. I'm, the setup is very different. The loan structure is different. The quality of loans is different. I, I don't want anybody, but you, you, you watch the whole thing unfolding and um, it was just maddening. And then all of a sudden, September 15th hits, all of our short positions, treasuries go through the roof. And it was actually, it was actually a, like I said, you know, if the market's down 63% and you're up 20, it was, it was a pretty good, it was a pretty good period of time. 
Um, Common sense should always work. I mean, there are occasions where common sense doesn't because nothing works all the time except the word of God. Yeah. But common yeah, sense, you should be able to smell things like that. And like you, great example of the $65,000 per year, nothing wrong with earning 65 grand a year. People do that. And there's, I know millionaires who never earned over 65 grand a year because they're, a lot of yeah, they're wise and they're, they're, they're godly stewards of the money. They've stewarded money better than I have. So here's, there's, I want to get to where I think the new big short exists and they've taken the most deceptive garbage out of that movie and that book and the circumstance, the truth, like forget the book and the movie, this stuff happened because I, I think it's not just COVID. I, I, you probably heard the cast earlier this week where I have said that the hoax response to the COVID flu is exactly like the big short uh, up to and including the players. Because look, let's be honest, um, pharma is BlackRock and BlackRock is pharma and pharma is Vanguard and Vanguard is pharma and Var Vanguard's BlackRock and BlackRock is, is Vanguard. They have, they have stolen once again, taxpayer money. Once again, they walk away scot-free. Um, and, and in this case, they directly killed people with the injections, not just indirectly with suicides. They are, and we talked about this last hour, they're, they're already, as I predicted, they're, they're going to hang the vaccine, so-called vaccine deaths around President Trump's neck. They're already setting up. It was his fault. Um, they're a, a, a House subcommittee finally admits these injections were harmful, uh, although they're saying it's just the first round of injections, just, just the first round. Incidentally, they haven't changed. The, the formulation hasn't changed. So they're going after Trump. Um, but let me say this, this freaks people out. The devil controls the world. I'm good with that. I'm, and I'll tell you why, because I've been saying on the podcast and it's finally becoming clear to me why I feel called to say this because God is creating, he's saying, look, okay, let me try to make it easier for you. They want to make your kids into un, inhuman things that are transhuman. They, they want to do that to your kids. Do you feel me? They're, they're letting pedophiles run schools. There's just this person kicked out of a school that, oh, wait, oh, we forgot to check. He's a sex predator. Oh, sorry. And I'm thinking of the Lord where he finally would tell Nicodemus, no, I'm the Messiah. Because Nicodemus is digging, in, digging into it or, or the, the Samaritan at the well. He finally just says, a time is coming and is here now where you will pray, not just in the synagogues. But, and she said, sir, I, I perceive you are a prophet and I know there's a Messiah. And the Lord Jesus says, I'm paraphrasing, um, I am he of who you speak. So he's, he's making it real clear. Okay. And then, then he's going to make it even more clear for doubting Thomas. Thomas, look, stick your finger in here. See where this, see where the centurion stabbed me? Stick your finger in. All right, so you believe because you've seen, uh, truly I tell you, blessed are those who believe because, and, and yet have not seen. He's, he's saying to us, guys, I, I don't know how to make this more clear to you. Your world is fallen. Your Wall Street is corrupt. Your Hollywood is corrupt. Your DC is corrupt. It's all corrupt. It's always been corrupt since Satan came along and broke things up and you guys fell for it. To me, that's greatly comforting because this isn't our home. It doesn't free us from our obligation to be good citizens. It doesn't free us from our obligation to elect godly people. It doesn't free us from our obligations to live as good citizens, but it also should focus our mind a little bit on, do you want to live forever in corruption like that? 
because that's your, here's your, here's your choice. You can, you can serve the most corrupt being that has ever been Satan for eternity, or you can be with the only being that has no corruption and no evil for eternity. I feel like God's going, do you get me? So, and, and let me just say this, Michael J. Berry, who's featured in that movie, um, he's the guy in Silicon Valley who didn't wear shoes. If you've seen the big shorts and yes, it has a lot of cursing and some, some pretty, uh, pretty full on nudity in it. Um, he said he read a book about Wall Street that was written in the 1870s and he put red post-it notes on every page where people acted like today. The book is filled with red post-it notes. So that makes me feel better because God's saying, hey, let's just make this easy. Don't, don't go there, go here and don't follow their rules, follow mine. Does that give you any sense of ease? Oh yeah. And <clears throat> two things. Um, a, when you said you want to spend eternity with one or the other, like all too often we as human beings go, well, God, you for eternity, but what's going to work best over the next two weeks? Right. Right. <laughs> we, right. We want, we, want the condi- we want the condensed version, right? We don't want to deal with the discomfort of uh, the eternal wind. And, and then the other part of it, the other thing I kept thinking when you said it was Solomon. There's nothing new under the sun. They, they, none of this is new, right? People want to believe in money for nothing, quick riches, easy money. Um, and Solomon wrote a lot about that, right? The road to easy money is, it ends in destruction. Uh, you know, the road to, to easy... Uh, um, I'm forgetting the word, but um, pleasure, right? It ends in destruction. Be careful, my son. Don't be swayed by the yeah. the the, the of, a, of a wayward woman. Don't fall for. We're doing a, in our Bible study right now. We're actually doing a, a breakdown uh, of of Proverbs specifically, and um, I've I've read it several times, but really breaking into it and studying and get down to the and it, and and it and it 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 goes right into an. It, the, the parlays between God's rules and this kind of stuff is um, it, it's, it's so easy to see like what works good in the Bible works good in the world of investing over the long run. Um, and we, and, and we just have to be, we've said it before countless times, but uh, gentle as doves and doves and wise as serpents and um, wise does not mean chasing bed, bath and beyond because you saw it on Twitter and you're trying to make a quick, 200 to 300%. Um, and you and I both know that, that, that narrow is the road. And unfortunately, a lot of us can sit here and talk about it. Um, but if we see things moving in the wrong direction or, you know, and I'm, and I'm subject to those same fears, right? I, I'm a human being too, but that's where the whole conviction, has, you know, Todd, a perfect example of this is um, one of the things that we looked at this whole energy crisis of, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I just think it really sums up what we're talking about. Um, one of the biggest things that we thought would be a, 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 a product, if you will, of this quote unquote energy crisis. And, and I, and I, I think it's just getting started. I think we're in probably inning one or inning two of this. Um, we thought that nuclear power would come to the front because it has to. Um, it's one of the, it's, it's just crazy to me that <laughs> yep. 60 of the grid isn't running on nuclear anyway right now. It's crazy. And then you look at uranium prices, and we came out of this and said, look, it's indirect, but uranium prices are bottomed. You've got to get into uranium, right? Um, watching the way those things have been whipsawed today, 
Then Japan, now we, again, we've been talking about this for months. Japan came out today at a news conference and said, hey, we're going to reopen all of our 30 nuclear reactors, which they've announced before. Then they said, we're going to build some new ones. Our nuclear, uh, the, the, our, our exposure to nuclear today was that portion of our portfolio. It's about 9% of the, the value portfolio that I run. It was up 15%. Today. And, and the reason I bring that up is not to stick my chest out and say, I got it right. The reason I bring it up is because this is how one of the tough things about operating bu- in bubbles is that if you're looking at the way the world is, what's my account doing today? What's my account? You're going to miss the game, right? You're going to get stuck in the stuff that's going to bury you. And you have, like, you're investing in a period of time where you know it's a mania. You know that, that logic isn't a part of it. And yet you're responding to every single day's machinations and movements, right? If you think of how dis- illogical that is, right? I, I know this market is illogical. I know it's defunct. Yeah. I know that it's, but yet I'm going to respond to it and panic every single day rather than sitting there and going back through it and going, what are the fundamentals? What is the value that I'm buying this at? I don't care what this insane world thinks one day from the other. I know where real value is. And this gets into where is the big short right now? The big short is in whatever is real, right? The big short. Okay. Let me, because you're going to, man, you're going to take my thunder. Don't take the host thunder. No, no, your host too. Knowyourriskradio.com, Zach Abraham. Um, We'll get to that because that's another part of the session. I do want to, I also want to uh, ask you some questions about this so-called loan forgiveness and specifically listeners want to know if God forbid the figurehead stays in office, does the United States fall completely into bankruptcy in your minds? I know that's a thing. That's a, that's a lot of things to foresee. Talking to Zach Abraham, World Capital Management. One of the things that Zach and I share in common is uh, a desire to stay fit. And it happens that he and I both like to lift weights. And um, But we also are aware of the fact that as we age, you can work out as hard as you used to. Um, and obviously, you know, muscle decreases, et cetera. That's, that's God's plan for us. And you can mitigate that and things. And, and, and we've talked about that. Um, but fat wants to stick to you. So I want to address a specific focused group today. So often we talk about soda for everybody. I want to talk about guys like me and Zach who like to bang it out in the gym. I don't say this enough about soda weight loss, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. They're the official fat loss partners of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and incidentally, that's not a, that's not a logo. They work with the Dallas Cowboys to get their big boys to drop fat. And if you're an NFL player, and you are angling to be the, like Mike back or you, the, 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 um, running back taking 2% fat off your body can increase your speed, your ability to cut, to change directions, uh, to drop back from, you know, heading straight into run. Nope, nope, nope. Fake. And you got to drop back and get into coverage. Well, that's professional athletes. You and I are probably not that. But if you're banging it out in the gym and you still have unwanted fat, think of what 30 pounds of fat gone means for your ability to run. Because it's not just 30 pounds you carry. Now, every time your body hits the ground, jump rope, there's a multiple there, box jumps. 
Oh, and incidentally, yeah, weight lift weight lifts weight. That's sure, big boys. I saw a guy do a six hundred pound squat yesterday, and that guy's got a weight close to you know two ninety, and he had a lot of extra body fat on us. But we're also not we're also not competitive weightlifters. Let me just present this to you: if you have an extra sixty pounds of fat on your body, do you know you squat that too? Like every time you squat, that's an extra sixty pounds. You do that ten times, that's six hundred more pounds you just squatted. You're on a mile. So what if you could take off 5% of the fat on your body with the partners for the Dallas Cowboys? So they take care of the nutrition plan. You work with the nutritionist. They'll take care of the food. They'll help you figure out your, your trigger foods. Their goal is not to have you plummet in weight and get fat off for a little while. Their goal is to say, this is you, to get you to what's called set points. Oh, just incidentally, muscles show more when there's not fat. I remember the, when I accidentally saw my abs. Like when I started, no, I started to get like the side ab coming through the, and I accidentally saw it in a shirt. I was like, oh my gosh, did I break a rib? And then my coach is like, no, that's that's an ab. What? I have an ab? What the heck? there. Where'd that ab come from? Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I'm recommitting to more of that stuff. Um, here's my, um, my thesis. Is in the movie, The Big Short, I'm sorry for focusing on this this week. If you haven't seen it, hey, Dan from South Carolina, buy the book. Although it'll have the, I'm sure it has the F words in it too. It has to, uh, to portray that world. At one point in in that time frame, they started to pump these junk house house loans, junk mortgages into the good mortgages. And for a little while, I'm sure it was just, we'll just pepper it in. We'll put in a few junk loans just to round out the portfolio. We just need more product to sell. And well, that went pretty well. Maybe we'll go from 10% to 20% junk loans. And suddenly they're selling stuff as AAA bonds, except it's 90% junk. Then that's not enough. So they create something called a, um, what was it? Synthetic collateralized debt obligation. So collateralized. All right. So they've taken people's debt. They've turned it into collateral. (laughs) They've turned debt into collateral. So they've taken money people owe and like said, hey, do you have any collateral to secure that debt? Oh, sure. We can collateralize the debt with what? With debt. Um, And then they made it synthetic. So it isn't even there. And Selena, this is brilliant filmmaking, by the way. They had a a famous mathematician and physicist and Selena Gomez, who I guess was an actress, I think, um, explain collateralized debt obligations, synthetic CDOs. And she explains it at the poker table. So you have the player, he's betting, and then someone bets. Oh, I I bet he's going to, I bet she's going to make it. And then people over here, they're not betting on the game. They say, oh, see that couple over there? I bet they're going to win their bet. So th- yeah. they created a, com- th- this, it doesn't exist. Right. Right. S- so ESG, this is, so, so, th- this is carbon. This Zach. Yeah. That's ESG. It's carbon. They're taking what we exhale and collateralizing and they're betting on and they're going to make yeah. us cover their bets on. That's, yeah. I mean, you can't even short that. Because guess what? Still exists. Right. It, it's, it's one of the hallmarks of bubbles. So, so again, it's, it's another reason why, um, what's the name of that? There's a, um, for those of you out there that don't want to endure the F words, I can certainly sympathize, but there's that, there's that app out there that takes the language out of it. I don't know if the big shorts on there, but mm. we do it for our kids. Like 
um, there's certain movies that I think are important for them to watch, but I don't want them to be exposed to that. And we can get it through this. Oh, man, VidAngel is what it's called. I think we we can get it through there, and it edits out the the language. So oh, cool. if you want to see it, but it's a it's a hallmark of bubbles, and 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 it, I think you know bubbles are really complicated because really it's a study of human behavior. It's that when there's something certain, right? Like there's always certainty built around bubbles, right? Which is the one at that time, the, 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 there were a lot built around the real estate bubble, but the biggest one that I heard so much was land is never going down. God only made so much of it, right? Like you're there's a limited me. supply. Always has to go you're up. scaring me. Right? You know my portfolio. You know <laughs> okay, you're, okay, all right, I'm listening. No, no, but yeah, but you're not, you're not speculating. Right. You're buying, you're buying land for the use value, which is, which is actually an investment. Okay. Right. You're thinking about the utility, the cash flow. Yeah. You're thinking about it for a real investment. You're not trying to flip your place in Idaho and move back to Seattle. Oh God. Right. So, right, right. So completely different. But, um, but whenever you see certainty, and if we think about it as human beings, it makes sense. Whenever we see certainty, one X gain isn't enough. We got to lever it up. Right, we got we got to get more juice because land's never going to quit going up. So how do I get leverage? Well, a CDO, a collateralized debt obligation, or a collateralized mortgage obligation. They have something called that too, is uh, uh, CMO as well. But okay, great, that's good. It's throwing me off six percent yield, and it's growing at an average rate of six, seven, eight percent a year. That isn't good enough. I need to juice this up, right? And so one of the hallmarks you see of bubbles is that the people betting on the players because right the, the 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 layers of betting increase and why wouldn't they because the further we get removed from the original trade itself the more inherent leverage we have so there's more upside so if i know quote unquote air quotes right i know something's going up well why am i going to play it straight up i need to get some leverage i need to get some juice going on and so that's that's one of one of the hallmarks but i also think it's really important to break this down and i think they did a decent job in the movie just so pe- the, uh, the, the listeners understand how idiotic this was. The logic at the time, the way I've equated it to, to my clients is it would be like walking outside and seeing your child splashing gasoline all over the siding of your house with, 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 a, with a matchbook sticking out of his pocket. You're like, what are you doing? You're going to burn our house down. He goes, well, our house has never burned down. So it's not going to. <laughs> right? And you go, well, one of the reasons our house has never burned down is because nobody has showered it in petrol, right? So when you go back to the, when you go back and look at what they were doing on the collateralized debt obligations, first of all, all of the models that they were relying on were forecasting between six to 9% appreciation in real estate into perpetuity. Okay, well, first signal to you is, Wait a second. How fast are wages growing? About two, two and a half percent. So if real estate grows at six to nine percent to perpetuity within eight years, nobody will be able to afford out. Right. So a first problem. Second problem, and this is something that most people don't understand. It wasn't the junk mortgages that blew everything up so bad. It was the AAA rate. It was the mortgages that the system said these are good. And remember, a AAA rating is supposed to be on the same level as U.S. government debt, right? And then people listening to this go, U.S. government debt isn't, isn't any good anyway. And I go, yeah, it is. What do they owe you? They owe you dollars. 
they also have a printing press. And an army. You'll get paid dollars, right? You'll get paid back your dollars. It's one of the safest bets out there in nominal terms, right? But what they were saying was, we're going to juice up the yields on these collateralized debt obligations. We're going to juice up the amount of interest that it's going to pay you. And we're going to do that by inserting more junk debt into these things. And if we diversify them geographically, because at no other time in the history of the United States had real estate fallen in all areas of the country at the same time, even in the Great Depression, that didn't happen. So they said, we can take the garbage, the most garbagey loans, garbage, I'm, I'm making words up here, sure. but the trashy loans, we can throw them into this thing. And as long as we diversify them geographically, we can get a AAA rating because real estate's never fallen across the entire country at the same time. Well, one of the things I was saying at the time, and one of the things that that period of time taught me was the reason real estate had never fallen across the country at the same time is because nobody was doing that, right? So, so the, the, the rationale that they used to stamp it with AAA was the thing that guaranteed you a collapse. Right. And, and it, and it, I, I don't smile because I know that that was an extraordinarily painful time. And for your listeners, I did well on the investing side. I ended up losing a house in 2012, a rental house. I had to give it back to the bank. So I'm not sitting there saying you're all idiots and I'm the smart guy. Right. Um, I, I think I've said this to you before. I was short the market and bought a house in 2006. I was young and dumb. I still can't rationalize why I did those two things. Um, but this is, these are one of those things where you realize you, you push back the veil and you go, wait a second, wait a second. It wasn't the junk loans that blew us up. No, junk never blows anybody up because they're not relying on it. When you have AAA debt on a balance sheet, okay, like Lehman Brothers, they didn't even have to list that in their financials because AAA is seen as risk-free. So you have these albatrosses on these banks' balance, balance sheets that were ticking time bombs that if you read the financial statements, you didn't even see them listed on their balance sheet, right? Because they didn't have to, it's AAA, man. There's no risk. But that goes to the, this, and we're getting into the weeds of the movie and a lot of people haven't seen it, but that's why we have groups like Standard and Poor's and Moody's. So, and there's that great scene in the movie where these guys who saw what was going on, they were short like you were, um, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of millions you were shorting the market, but they, some of these guys like Michael J. Berry was shorting the market uh, $1.9 billion. I mean, yeah, on a, on a $350 million portfolio. So he went all in. I completely. Mean, and it's, it's, it's worth reading or watching. Um, and they're sitting there and they're portraying this as, a, as sitting with a Moody's lady. And she eventually admits, look, we can't look into this. You're asking us to look into our biggest clients on, and if their AAA rated stuff is actually not AAA, we can't do that. We'll lose their business. Yep. And here's the, like, it goes right back to the world has fallen to me. It goes right back to though, let's live in the truth. Let's live in light. Let's, let's walk and, and walk with God and ESG is a lie. Selling carbon is a lie. God is not going to make that fruitful in the long run. There are people who are going to make money on it, but I did a, a cast this week saying, thank God I am no longer in any VIP clubs um, because they are so seductive. And that was one of those shows where it just poured out of my hole. I just started talking and, and, and just, that's what I needed to say that day. 
I am sitting here not worth $40 million because God saved me from being a greedy slimeball jackass. And I'll tell you what I mean is in the startup days when our internet radio company had um, companies, we had investment banks coming and begging to take us public. I was like, on what? What are you talking about? We have now only now begun producing revenue. We're five years from turning the corner. What are you talking about? Public? You want me to go to NASDAQ and have moms and dads invest in this? I won't let my parents invest in this. I won't let, I have friends coming and saying, hey, let me put 10 or 12,000. No, yeah. no, this is a risky yeah. play. What are you talking about? And my board, like uh, to their credit, most of them were cool with that. Some of them were really frustrated with me. Like Todd, look, I know you read built to last and really liked the book, but it's an internet company, Zach. And you will know this. There were people who would purchase for you from you, the possibility that you might go public. So they would give you money in case you went public. And if you didn't go public, you kept the money. There, yeah. there were people yeah. who were selling and I didn't know you could do this. Like I always saw the shares I had in my company as potential wealth. There were people who figured out ways to sell that and people bought that. We got a check yeah. one day. Who's the guy who founded MTV? I always forget his name. Um, now he's iHeartMedia. He sent us a check. Uh, uh, Bob, um, I can't remember his last name. He sent us a check. My CFO walked into the office one day and she says, you, you got to see this. I go, what is it? It's a check for $5 million. I go, wow, we just closed the round. Well, who's it from? And it's the guy who, um, who, who started MTV. I, what? What did he do? He sent us a letter, $5 million for participation in B rounds at ProRata. Mm-hmm. He was cold sending checks. That, of course, at that time, I realized we're dead. We're dead. There's no way out. Like, this is... So, ESG is that. And now, college. The figurehead for Harvard, we talked about this last week, so I don't want to go too deep into it, with their $50 billion. And you and I kind of did the math together. They could give people actually cost-free college, which wouldn't wouldn't take any money from the taxpayer, just living on the float. Just take the yeah. float, just use the float to fund the teachers and, and fund the students. They could do that. Instead, the figurehead um, is, is intense, and it's illegal. Nancy Pelosi has admitted it. It's illegal. She already said he has no power to do this. He intends to take $2,000 out of the pocket of every American. If, if you make that every tax paying American, 6,000 bucks, I'm guessing out of now, now make it non call. Now make it people who don't have college loans. Cause they're going to be the ones taking the money. What are we talking about? Like seven grand from us because people went to college. Yeah, it's even worse than that. This is the classic case of what we always accuse the Federal Reserve of, right? They light the fire and then show up with the fire hose and, and want to be hailed as heroes. Meaning, it, had you not passed the legislation that Hillary Clinton championed, and I want to say 93 or 94, where you made, and, and just think about this, people need to step back and think about it on a global level, right? 
if, if they would not have passed that rule because they were working hand in hand with the lenders, um, which may or may not have had something to do with Hillary Clinton's sterling trading, cattle futures trading experience. Gee, right? I wonder. So, yeah. yeah, isn't it funny that one of the first things they do is, is strike a deal when they're in office to make student loans not be susceptible to bankruptcy? If student loans are susceptible to bankruptcy, they cannot have the same credit rating. Therefore, they cannot proliferate and be in so many portfolios, right? Around Because there's that, that safeguard, right? So does Biden come out and undo that law? No, he just pays off students, right? But it's the same idea. We're going to come in with a water hose to put out the fire that we started, and everybody's going to hail us as heroes. Where it, it, it had that one law, I mean, look, you know, education costs would still go up. People would still be in well, student debt. Yeah. But it wouldn't be near as bad of a problem. Like, like, think about that, Todd. It's the only type of debt that is not susceptible to bankruptcy uh, uh, hearings, right? Restructuring. So, of course, everybody wants it in their portfolio. So the more demand there is for the investment, the more capital gets issued to it, right? Which gets us to, like, everybody's like, oh, why do we have so much student debt? What do you mean, why do we have so much student debt? You've made so much capital available, period. And so we're not going to fix the problem. We're just going to keep treating the symptoms, right? And now the one thing I will say, and this might tick off some listeners, is, um, I mean, the politics behind this move are so uh, transparent. I mean, we're just trying to buy them, right? Obviously. Right. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it, it, when you consider all the crazy stuff we've done, like the trillion dollars we spent buying corporate debt, which is a violation of the Federal Reserve Act, um, I will say this, that there is far more economic utility to pay. I mean, if we're going to burn money, if we're going to print money and light it on fire, there is more economic utility in paying off student loans than buying corporate bonds from okay. BlackRock. Okay, I can hear that. I can hear that. Um, and then I just say this. To I'm not an advocate, by the way. I'm not. I'm not saying oh, I support it. I know you don't support it, but here's here's. I yeah. hear you saying that, and I can I can understand the position people would take on that. But I would just say this. Here's here's a way to look at this. Um, the government comes along and they go to um, podcast advertising. So they look at on podcast advertising and say, this is too expensive. Small businesses cannot afford to buy podcast advertising. Uh, so we're going to give small businesses money to buy podcast advertising. Now, am I instantly going to drop my rates? <laughs> be like, wow, there's a whole bunch of people putting top-down pressure on my inventory with money that's not even theirs. I'm, right. I'm jacking my rates. Right. Right. I mean, right. and that's, that's, that's exactly what they're doing. And I guess it just, it, man, uh, it, it bothers me because Harvard is sitting there going, look at these fools. Look at these suckers. That's our money. They're, they they yeah. just gave that to us. Did you ever see the movie Major Pain? No. Okay. So it's, it's funny. It's, it's a kid movie and it's this, this hardcore combat veteran comes in and teaches these, you know, like the bad news bears of military school kids. It's hilarious. But there's a line in there where he's like, he goes, there's got to be somebody that needs some killing. Right. And, and it, it makes me think of these scenarios because you're like, 
well, man, it's got to be somebody that needs some free money, right? We got to pass that around. I mean, hey, oh. we, we got to fix something. Us politicians, there's got to be somebody that needs some killing. We got to fix problems. We're going to ignore the fact that we're the ones that created the problem. We're not going to go back to the genesis of the problem and fix it. We're going to paper over it. Why? Because that buys more votes, man. You know? Oh. I mean, hey, how do, you, how do you vote against Uncle Joe if he just paid off your student loan? Never mind the fact that your student loan bill is five times higher because of what he and his ill did. Right? Nobody wants to dig into that detail. They just got to check, baby. Government uh, cheats. This goes to something that is going to happen in heaven. It is. Is we're going to, you know, well, prior to heaven, we'll all sit and we'll watch judgment. Uh, we'll see the usury. We're going to watch all of that. But this is something I wish could happen now is I wish we could just go to the people who they have a law degree. They've got a doctorate. They're an MD. Um, they're whatever they are. And they took out these student loans. I wish we could just say, hey, can we take in a trip? Where to? I, I wanted to introduce you to the roofer who just helped pay off your student loan. I just wanted you to go to his house. And okay, so he's a roofer and he lives in an ordinary house like a lot of us do. And, and there's roofing is a fine job and it's very honorable work. But I guarantee you're going to have some doctor. Man, I've got so much in student loans. But yeah, we drive a couple of BMWs. And so we've got a rental house and yeah, our main property is in Santa Barbara. And so you take him from, you know, Santa Barbara, maybe you take him um, up to Chico, California. And you, you know, drive into a neighborhood and he's going, wow, it's a little rough neighborhood. Well, really? Oh, it feels like home. And yeah, you, yeah. you drive him up to a, you know, a, a three bedroom, two bathroom, one level house. And there's a truck in the front yard. And, you know, in the driveway and a super old um, utilitarian car in the driveway. It's, what are you doing? Oh, this is the roofer. He helped pay for your uh, college education. We're just going to thank him. Yeah, we're just going to stop in and thank him. While we're here, we'll ask him if, uh, you know, if, if they could give us some food. So just walk in and just introduce yourself. Hi, I'm, I'm, my name is uh, Michael DeWitt. Uh, I'm an MD at uh, University of California, Santa Barbara. I earn $400,000 a year. I just wanted to stop in and thank you for, you know, <laughs> paying off my student loan for me. With, uh, with the $7,000 I took from you. Uh, by the way, you have any food? <laughs> and and if, I mean, if that guy can make that out of that, if, if you can make it out of there, you're a sociopath. If you can make it out of there without saying, oh, dear God, let me give you the 7000 back. You're a sociopath. I, Todd, I don't even think anybody connects with ops. I, I know. I, they're not meant to. I, it's the complicate, purposeful complication is the tool of a scoundrel. Well, not only that, but the absolution of personal accountability too, which I think is such a, is such a virus in our culture. I was watching this video of this guy speaking to the Las Vegas City Council, and he was ripping them a riot act because his wife cheated on him, got pregnant with an ex-con, and the stress of that made him gamble too much money huh. and he's ripping them. And he goes, I put my credit card in there. You guys will get cash on credit cards. Like you're sitting there going, dude, your whole, like I, I was, I was listening to him rail the city council 
And I was sitting there going, man, I have no clue why your wife cheated on me. <laughs> right? Like, how did that happen? Yeah. And I don't want to be mean, but when you look at something who's so bereft of accountability, like how would anybody share a life with them and, and respect that? Right. And this guy is sitting there just throwing it all. And then he goes, the only thing this city does well is vaccinations. He goes, I've seen your vaccination card. That's great. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say, you won't believe it. It's so and I captioned it and I went, man, if you want to sum up the modern liberal right here, the, this video could not do it. All, the only thing you are doing injures me and is, and is a oppression of my natural rights is the one thing that I'm going to extol as a virtue. And all the other things that you're doing, that, that I'm doing, I'm going to blame on you, right? It's not my fault. Yeah. And I just, well, I, that's the culture. There's going to be a ghost of Christmas past. Um, and uh, it will come on judgment day. And I'm not absolving myself. I, I'm very concerned about what the Lord is going to say to me on that judgment day. I'm very concerned because he knows everything, but there's going to be a, a, it's not a, it's not a fake story by Charles Dickens. albeit a great story. It's going to be the Lord Jesus sitting down with people who took this money and he's going to be saying to them. So where'd that come from? Oh, I, I didn't have time to look into it. That don't fly. So, yeah. So you took money from an unknown source and you didn't have time to look into it. Did you ask any questions? No. And do you know what it cost people? Do you, and there's going to be these moments of reckoning, but most of all, it's going to come to me for the people who know this and they choose not to say it or the people who take these moments of misery and they stomp people. And I think of Jamie Diamond. So mm. I'm going to communicate something that was told to me by a dead man. Okay. These are the reflections he told me, obviously before he died. Um, so Jamie Diamond's lawyers, I am referring to a real case of a real man who told me these things. And to God almighty, you know that Steve told me this. Okay, you know that. So I'm not bearing false witness. He was the chief risk officer of a bank that held the paper, or not the, but held a bunch of paper on Washington Mutual. Okay, so Washington Mutual, largely a, co a commercial bank with some, with some business real estate holdings, but largely commercial, um, mm -hmm. pardon, largely consumer, but they had some con uh, commercial holdings, so largely consumer. They backed their paper, this bank, so I don't remember what that's called, but they're a secondary bank. I think it's called where um, they are just business to business, just commercial. There's just deal with businesses, yeah. no consumer loans. Yep. And they, when the housing thing started to collapse, they immediately went into, Steve did, immediately went into the portfolio of WAMU and started to analyze it and said, okay, these guys are exposed. This is by memory. They're exposed like eight or 9% to this, not, not catastrophic. If the worst case scenario happens and they they lost these loans, um, they're wiped off and they and they and they lost the houses. So the the houses went away. They don't even have the property, the collateral. They don't, they don't have it. They can yeah. cover themselves by selling two buildings, and we are secured creditors, and we're we're front we're front the front of the line. So we are 
First up, secured creditors. So if it goes to bankruptcy, we're good. We get to have a building in Times Square and a building in downtown Los Angeles to cover us. Yep. All right. Secured position. He says yep. to the board, my recommendation is we continue. We continue. Um, they made that decision. They were having board meetings every week because, because as you know what it was like then. And at one of those board meetings in walks the federal government, the FDIC and, and banking officials and I think SEC and I mean, but feds. They come in the door and they say, you're going to stop backing Washington Mutual. And Steve says, no, we've run the numbers. They're good. He goes, no, you don't understand. Step the blank out of the way. Blanken, Jamie Dimon, Blanken owns, Blanken Washington Mutual. You step out of the Blanken way or we, the FDIC, will find you guys are insolvent. You feel me? Yeah. No, I remember it. And well, and the and the killer was is that he initially bought it for two fifty a share, which, which was nothing. And it was only the public outcry that the SEC stepped in and said, "No, you've actually got to pay ten. But but he was originally going to get it for one fourth of what he actually bought it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 by the way, after that, the feds put a mark on that guy. Yeah. We don't want him I'm, in the business anymore. He pushed back. You fire him or we come for you. And he went from squeaky clean to you can't work in banking anymore. He didn't play ball. Right. So, um, and I was proud of him for not playing ball. Uh, but by the same token, um, it ultimately contributed to the end of his life. And he was a good man and he had good kids and it ruined him. Uh, listen, that's a real depressing way to end this. And I apologize for that. But this is why when you enter in, and I mean this, when you deal with people like a Jamie Diamond, um, who I've not met and I don't want to meet and I don't want to meet his lawyers. Um, when you deal with people like that, you deal with Wall Street. I, I invite you to pray and I invite you to put on the full armor of God anytime you have dealings with that. And remember that the world's fallen. And just just put on the former full armor of God and and concentrate on His Word and be not seduced by that. So we aren't real long, man. I've abused my uh, privilege of talking with you. So and uh, Zach. Oh man, I, I I didn't protest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk next week. It's knowyourriskradio.com. Zach Abraham is the chief investment officer there. Um, so kind to join us every week. This show wouldn't be anywhere near where it's at in terms of reach and revenue without my brother, Zach Abraham. And we wouldn't have conversations like this on a weekly basis. Um, I appreciate you deeply, my brother. Hey, right back at you, pal. And I think you'd be just fine without us. I feel honored to be one of the first in line to jump on. Thank you, man. Appreciate uh, that. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And I love this saying, put on the full, or to put on the armor of light. I love that.